Before we get started, I'd like to mention that I've noticed a recent spike in podcast downloads from Frankfurt. So, an meine Hörer in Deutschland, Dankeschön. With Mark Emerson Donnelly. The last two chant hacks have been pretty heavy on the interpretive, intentional side, which can be a lot to take in. In fact, I think intention is so important, there'll be an upcoming episode just on that subject alone. By the way, those of you who are soloists will not want to miss that one, as it applies to all music, both sacred and secular, and will benefit both you as a musician and your audience. Last episode, we spent a lot of time on the word Alleluia and its elaborate final woohoo, the Ubilus. If you don't get the reference, go back and listen to episode 9. Today, we're going to spend most of our time on an even more common liturgical word, Amen. But before we get to that, I have an exciting announcement. For those of you new to the podcast, I'm a singer, composer, and voice teacher with over 40 years' experience singing and directing Gregorian chant. In addition to teaching various chant classes and ensembles, I've been vocal consultant for the monks at Clear Creek Abbey in Oklahoma since 2008. I've taught and contributed to the English version of the chant course Laus and Ecclesia, which is published by Clear Creek, and assisted on their most recent recording, Rorate Celi. I've also composed and arranged music for the Benedictine nuns of Ephesus in Gower, Missouri. Now, as we enter the new year, I'm making available three live Gregorian chant offerings, a webinar series and one-on-one -on -one chant sessions. Stick to the end of this episode to hear more information about these sessions, along with the early bird specials. Now, on with this episode's Chant Hack and I'm going to try to not make this a chant rant. Although that might be a good series. Chant rants. Hmm. Anyway, this could digress into a rant because it's about something that's bugged me since I read the Catechism of the Council of Trent many years ago. Originally, I was going to have this episode be on mass and office responses in general. You know, like Dominus Vobiscum et Cum Spiritu Tuo. Like that. But I decided to focus on only one word, Amen. Whenever I've watched one of those televangelist programs, I've always been struck by the enthusiasm of the attendees. Some of it might be staged, but I'm sure a lot of it is sincere. In fact, we should take it at face value that it is sincere. Judge not, lest ye be judged. But one thing that cannot be denied is that to hear everyone sing Amen, full-throatedly together, and with conviction, it can be quite stirring. That's part of the reason I decided to focus simply on the Amen. Because if you can understand and put into practice the principles of singing a good Amen, you can understand how to start and finish a response. Why? 
because musically, the Amen is just a beginning and an end. Why is the beginning and the end so important? Because that's the nexus of exchange between different forces in Gregorian chant. That is, changing from one group or individual to another. If our exchange of singing, either between the priest and congregation, cantors and scola, or any individual or small group and the whole church, if our point of exchange in singing is clear and knowable, then we should have stronger and more edifying responses, ordinaries, and Gregorian hymns. Just think if we could have that same effect throughout every Mass that the televangelist has during his broadcast. Think of the effect it would have on a visitor or just someone passing by to hear a whole congregation singing truly una voce with one voice, a stirring Amen. But what do we usually get? Well, it could be a few things. A smattering of unenthusiastic or disinterested voices. Amen. Amen. Or something dreary, long, and drawn out. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we'll get one valiant soul trying to lead everyone else. Amen, or something like that. Anyway, whichever way it is, it doesn't sound like the group is giving their assent to what was just proclaimed. And that's what Amen means. I agree, it is true, it is thus, I do believe, something like that. It does not sound like they really mean it. What's the problem? Leaving aside whether or not the congregation is thinking about what they are actually saying or singing, I encourage you to read the article on the Amen in the Catechism of the Council of Trent. There's a link to it in the description of this episode. I was pondering that article when I wrote the Amen for my setting of the Paternoster, which we hear at the end of every Chant Hacks episode. While this video was rendering, I decided to go back and read the article on the Amen from the Catechism of the Council of Trent. It is so amazing, I decided I'm going to cut a little bit of it into this video. The Seal of the Lord's Prayer, Amen, from the Catechism of the Council of Trent. Necessity of explaining the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. St. Jerome, in his commentary on St. Matthew, rightly calls this word what it really is the seal of the Lord's Prayer. As then, we have already admonished the faithful with regard to the preparation to be made before this holy prayer, so we deem it necessary that they should also know why we close our prayers with this word and what it signifies. For devotion in concluding our prayers is not less important than attention in beginning them. I think that's just amazing, and I didn't want to put this video out without at least giving you a little taste of what's in that document. So please go to the description and download the PDF of this article. Now on with the rest of the podcast. I think the musical problems are twofold. One, people don't know when to come in with their amen. And two, they don't know how long it should be. Getting this down is really important for choirs and scholas because they're the musical leaders of the responses, not the priest, deacon, or lector. Also, 
If there's no choir or scola, it's important that as many people in the congregation know when to come in and how long to sing the notes, so that even at impromptu or sparsely attended liturgical events, such as benediction or prayers for the departed, the Amen and all the responses are sung in a way that sounds like the attendees are giving greater glory to God and trying to edify their fellow worshipers. I cannot tell you how many times, as a singer and conductor, I've seen in the choir loft singers busy fussing with their music or something else during a prayer or collect, and distractedly tossing off and not even half-hearted Amen. Alas, I've often been one of those people. However, if you've sung with me for any length of time, you will probably say I'm always on a bit of a mega-crusade to make the Amen great again. Now, appearances aren't everything, but they're a big part of the liturgy. If you know what you're saying, you know when to say it, and you truly believe in it, you have all you need to sing a robust, inspiring, beautiful, and prayerful Amen. At least there's no reason not to try. Why not? There's only benefits from trying. If you mean what you say, why not sound like it? When you're at Mass, you aren't there just for yourself. You're witnessing to everyone else present that you believe in God's truth and mean to publicly worship Him as He desires. You never know if there might be someone in the congregation that day who is on the edge of converting or coming back to the church and hearing a stalwart Amen might be the bit of inspiration that tips him over the edge. Remember what Amen means. However, if the congregation doesn't appear devout, that is, they appear not to care about what they're saying at Mass, even if it is an extremely devout congregation, that person might think that the people are indifferent to their beliefs, and that may well discourage them from taking the step to enter the church or return to the faith. It's always God's grace, but it's our job to cooperate as best we can. Enough of my rant. Here's a great way, according to the Salem method, to sing the Amen that is inspiring, intentional, followable, and duplicatable. I'm going to present the two most common Amens, the two-note and the three-note Amens. The two-note Amen has one note on each syllable, and the three-note Amen has one note on the first syllable and two notes on the second. These Amens commonly come after a doxology, a declaration of the Trinity at the end of a prayer, and most often conclude with per omnia secula seculorum, literally, through all the ages of ages, but usually translated as forever and ever. I'll use this text to lead into the Amen. I'll also not put any beats rest between seculorum and Amen to better represent how the exchange should go between the priest, deacon, or leader and those responding, usually everyone else in the church. So I'll be both the leader and the congregation. Now, can you put one or two beats rest in between the last word of the prayer and Amen? Sure, but I've found that eventually those rests get longer and longer, and you inevitably get the long, drawn-out, tired-sounding Amen, which we're trying to avoid. What we should do is try to come in straight away, but without hurrying. 
In doing so, that is not rushing, but also not giving a one or two beat rest, there will be just a moment of daylight between the end of the prayer and the Amen that is artistic, vital, or lively and prayerful. At least that's what we're aiming at. And you have your whole life to perfect it. Anyway, here we go. These are the Amens that are sung after colics, that is the prayer before readings, and the post-communion prayers. This is the festal tone, which is the simplest, but is not as commonly done as the actual ancient simple tone. This is sung on one pitch. Thus, it is also how it would be sung if the prayer before is sung recto tono, that is totally on one pitch. Per omnia secula seculorum. Amen. The most common tone for the collect and post-communion is the ancient simple tone. Its amen is sung on two pitches. This is the tone most often used at traditional Latin masses. Per omnia secula seculorum. Amen. Lastly for the collect and post-communion is the ancient solemn tone. The reciting tone before this is not on do, as for the first two tones, but is on la. Per omnia secula seculorum. Amen. Now one thing that is of vital importance. You have to listen to how the priest finishes the prayer. I'm sure many priests would admit that at one time or another they mixed the parts of the various formulae together. But no matter what the priest does before, we should sing the Amen that corresponds to the formula of his final phrase. So, if the priest stays on one pitch, as in the festal tone or singing recto tono, you stay on one pitch. Amen. If he drops a minor third, do la, as in the ancient simple tone, you sing ti do. Amen. And if he uses the formula sola la sol, as in the ancient solemn tone, you sing sola. Amen. But whichever one it is, the timing is still the same. One, two, one, two. One, two, one, two. Amen. One, two, one, two. Amen. One, two, one, two. Amen. Let's review the three collect and post-communion amens. Per omnia secula seculorum. Amen. Per omnia secula seculorum. Amen. Per omnia secula seculorum. Amen. So there's the three of them. Now, here's the Amen that is sung before the preface, paternoster, and on you stay. Notice that it is of three notes. 
sol solo. Per omnia secula seculorum. Amen. I'll do that again. Per omnia secula seculorum. Amen. Now, there are two other instances of a three-note Amen, which I've heard from time to time on colics and post-communions. But I couldn't find them in the Libri Usualis or Graduale Romanum, the two books most commonly used when singing a Mass with Gregorian chant. These are Titido Amen for the simple tone and Sol Sola Amen for the solemn tone, like that used for the preface Pater and Agnus Dei. It's either in some missal someplace, or simply a local custom at some parishes. Here's the Titido Amen. Per omnia secula seculorum. Amen. And here's the sol sola. Amen. Per omnia secula seculorum. Amen. Like I said, I've not heard these last two used very often in my travels, but enough to mention them. If I recall, I think they may be sung mostly in Novus Ordo Masses, both ones said in Latin or the vernacular. However, I've also heard them at well-established traditional Masses. Now for the exciting announcement. There are three offerings here, all at special prices. Offering number one, starting in just a couple of weeks, I'll be giving a three-session webinar series on Zoom. Chant Hacks for Building Your Chant Habits. This will be a series of three weekly 60-minute live sessions with live Q&A for the last 15 minutes. We'll cover the old Salem Method's Rules of Style in the first session and Sight Singing in the second session. The third session is How to Let the Music Form Your Prayer. See the link in the description for a more detailed outline. There will also be a brief handout on Gregorian musical notation, so even if you've never read Gregorian chant before, you'll be able to follow along. These sessions cover the most foundational habits for singing the chant well, so you can get started on the right foot in your chant singing. Or, if you've been singing the chant for years already, this will give you the opportunity to take your chanting to the next level. I have two different times for this three-part series. Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central U.S. time, starting January 23rd, and Wednesdays at 12 noon Central U.S. time, starting January 24th. For those listeners in Europe, the Wednesday 12 noon time is at 7 p.m. or 1900 hours in Germany, and 6 p.m. or 1800 hours in the U.K. The normal cost of this series is $129 USD, but if you sign up early by midnight January 17th, you can attend the whole series for only $99, so sign up soon. See this episode's description for all these details, including registration.
That's offering number one. Offering number two, if you sign up for the webinar series, you can also get a one-hour private chat session with me at the special price of $49. That's a 40% savings from my regular private lesson price of $85. Offering number three, if you sign up for this webinar series and also refer a friend, both you and your friend will get an additional private chat session at this discounted price of $49. Your friend just needs to provide your name when signing up for the webinar. See this episode's description for all these details and how to sign up for the webinar and your private chat sessions. If you have any questions, email my assistant Alana at alana at vocalart.org. Whether you're new to Gregorian chant or you're an experienced cantor who's been singing the chant for many years, I hope that there's a lot that you can get from these sessions. The goal is to have you singing Gregorian chant beautifully and prayerfully, whether by yourself or in a group. So sign up for the webinar series and share this episode and link that's in the description with your friends, family, and parish. If you sing in a choir, share it with your colleagues and director. I hope to see you in the webinar, and I'm excited to explore these crucial habits of chanting with you. Please keep sharing the Chantax podcast. And if you haven't already, sign up for my email newsletter on my website. Then you can stay notified of special offerings and announcements. Please go to my website, markemersondonnelly.com or lifefunder.com slash mdonnellymusic. There you can see ways that you can support my work, both with teaching Gregorian chant and polyphony, and also if you want to commission a composition. If you have any questions about commissioning a work, or having me come out to work with your choir, please email alana at vocalart.org. I especially hope that this episode helps you choirs, scholars, and directors out there reinvigorate your parish's amens. And if your amens are already great, Deo gracias. I'm Mark Emerson Donnelly. Happy New Year and God bless. Oh.